Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. I will be joined for an entire show with my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. David, welcome to this week's show. Hey, it's just another gorgeous day in Texas, isn't it? It is. You know, you're familiar that I have uh, a home in the Corpus Christi region. Yes. And uh, the weather out here is just so super nice. They've come through the hurricane. We missed it. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, it's a really nice, cool, breezy day in South Texas, and I'm sure you guys probably have sun, and we don't. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's like full-on autumn up here in North Texas. It's crazy. It feels like October already. It's wonderful. That's, yes, that, that's what we're feeling, and it's amazing. Well, let me tell you a little bit about, uh, you know, we just finished up Shell Magazine, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, finished up our State of the Energy in Corpus Christi. It's an annual event. You know, it was an amazing event. Um, I'm hoping that a lot of our virtual followers were able to, to uh, jump on and uh, hear what some of our speakers had to say. Was there anything on the state of energy that came out that you heard that was somewhat surprising or something that we should probably debrief? I have a whole host of them, but I'll, I'll let you have the floor first. If no, I just, I, and of course, unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there for due to some health reasons, um, which was very distressing to me. But, uh, you know, all the feedback I got was it was just a terrific event and the speakers were outstanding and uh just so much great information conveyed by by Sean uh, Strawbridge at, there at the Port of Corpus Christi and uh, and the other speakers. You know, it was just uh, really a wonder. Mike Howard, of course, uh, did his talk on the midstream industry, which I think we all know is having a, a lot of difficulties right now in this in this uh, environment. You know, because mm -hmm. they're moving smaller volumes than they were and. And uh, so if people think about the oil and gas industry as just being this drilling and production industry, but, you know, we have this whole pipeline part of the business that is also uh, getting hit hard by, by all the COVID impacts. But, you know, all the, all the feedback I saw uh, so far has been extremely positive. Y'all did a great job. Well, I think uh, I agree with you on some of the things that I picked up was the importance of Sean recognizing how truly poised the port of Corpus Christi is of taking the role of being the number one energy port in the United States. Uh, that was a, a, a really amazing thing to hear and to see. It's been a port that's been in play for more than 20 years with great leadership and they did everything right waiting for their day to come and, and it's, it's coming, it's, it's arrived. So that was pretty interesting. And then of course, you know, Mike Howard, CEO of Howard Energy, to me, was just a showstopper in helping the community. It has really been somewhat unfamiliar with their role in this and have not really moved and gravitated towards it, that, that uh, the business community got to hear what happens when you don't have access to 
an abundance of energy and how it really starts having issues. And so I think that in this community that has struggled with do they want it or do they not want it, it was important they heard it. But then to hear the the panelist, you know, Brooke Simmons, just really breaking down and discussing how their state has been affected by uh, the slowdown and then what is the, what's the election cycle look like and yeah. President Trump's uh, chances and the Republicans pertaining to the pro-energy administration, then Jason Modulin, who was talking about it at a state level. And then, of course, we had Fahad Nassar, who was talking to us about OPEC's commitment. All in all, what I heard, it was a very good overview of everything. And the questions that, of course, came from you were definitely right on point to help the community understand how important the state of energy is to them in uh, Corpus Christi area. So good job. I think you did an amazing job with those questions. And you you talk about Brooke Simmons in Oklahoma, uh, no part of the shale industry has been negatively impacted more uh, than the scoop stack play up there in Oklahoma. Um, Their rig count just has fallen off a cliff. Of course, we've seen similar impact in the Eagle Ford shale, but you know, things are still pretty healthy in West Texas uh, compared to other parts of the country. But man, Oklahoma has really been hit hard and I know they're gonna have some some pretty interesting uh, state budget issues going on this next session because of the drop in in oil and gas revenues that that makes such a huge impact in Oklahoma, just like they do in Texas. That's right, because a lot of their economy depends on the uh, oil and gas industry. Um, So yeah, it's gonna be a tough year for them. You know, I I wanna also talk a little bit about BP. It did come up in the state of energy that BP has released that we've hit peak demand. We hit it in late 2019. And you wrote a piece on this as well. I did. And I guess, you know, when it came up in the state of energy, what are your thoughts on BP's, you know, statement? Uh, Well, you know, I think it's, to some extent, it's been a little overplayed. Um, You know, that that whole thing uh, early last week was was the result of a study that BP, they do this annual energy outlook every year, and they run – statistical modeling scenarios based on, on, on three different test cases. And, you know, they didn't really just come right out and say we had reached peak oil demand late last year. One of their scenarios in one of their most aggressive scenarios shows that that that's, was the finding in the statistical modeling, but they're more, you know, status quo scenario that projects out into the future what will happen under current policy uh, progression that we've been on for years now really does not show that we reach peak oil demand until after 2030. And so a lot of of all of that furor that uh, went around about all of that uh, during the past week was really based so much on misreporting in the news media. And, uh, you know, of course, we have a lot of that in the, particularly in the energy space these days. Uh, There's a lot of extremely inaccurate reporting about energy. And, you know, this was just an example where BP released the results of a statistical modeling process 
and it was, you know, one little piece of it was just blown all out of proportion. Do I think BP believes that we have reached peak oil demand? No, I don't think the company believes that. No one else believes that. So I don't know why BP would be sitting there planning their business around that assumption because literally no one else in the oil and gas industry is doing that. So they'd, they'd be a real outlier. But interesting. it's interesting that it came up at the meeting. Yeah. Well, and another question, though, is for our listeners. Explain the differences that if BP, what was taken out of context, if you will, that we peaked, what does it mean to the energy industry if that was possibly true, that it's peaked? What does it mean for the energy industry when you peak? Well, it means, you, you know, so the, so the theory is, uh, what peak oil means is you have reached the peak, the all-time peak in what demand is ever going to reach, okay, which in late last year, And we're globally, talking about global, global. Globally, okay. yeah, and we reached 100 million barrel a day demand for, for crude oil all over the world, worldwide, uh, before COVID-19 hit, and so when you say peak oil, that means you believe that it's never, demand is never going to fully recover to where we were in January, basically, before the whole COVID-19 thing started destroying demand. Now, literally, nobody actually believes that to be the case. So it's, it's really hard for me to believe that BP, a company as sophisticated and, and big as BP, is planning its business around that assumption. Um, peak oil theory has been around for over 100 years. Everyone who has ever predicted that we have reached peak oil, first it was around. (laughs) Yeah, they were always wrong. They've always been wrong. I I believe anyone saying that today is continuing to be wrong. And uh, I think we'll probably recover to pre-COVID demand levels before the end of next year. Uh, and, And demand for crude oil is going to continue to grow for the foreseeable coming decades because, uh, what, what peak oilers always fail to factor into their thinking is the incredibly rapid growth, not just in population, but in technolo- technology and the consumption of energy mm-hmm. by all of this developing technology around us. Everything we're doing right now consumes energy. Your iPhone consumes energy. All of your televisions in your homes and your cars and your refrigerators and appliances those things multiply on almost geometric progressions now in our society. And people always fail to consider that even though, yes, renewables are going to grow in the coming years, but there's no way they're going to be able to satisfy even the increase, the incremental increase in energy needs, much less start displacing oil and other fossil fuels out of the marketplace. It just can't happen that way. It's not, not possible. And, and so I just, I always kind of chuckle uh, whenever I see somebody talking about peak oil. Well, and you know, that, that also came up in one of Mike Howard's presentation slides, which was he was demonstrating how obviously we need more energy in the future because of the demand you're, you're discussing, but how it's also the way out of poverty Yes. And how 30% of the planet still has not, does not even have access to energy, much less reliable, low-cost energy. So these, you know, we've peaked people. 
I don't think there's anyone listening that doesn't think that once we have a vaccine and COVID is under control, this planet is going to go back to shooting up, you know, 110 in a rocket because everybody's so tired of being in their homes. And once yes. they feel safe, they want to get out, they want to mingle, they want to network and they want to talk and they want to hug and they want to enjoy each other's time. But when we get back from break, David, I want you to pull out your crystal ball because I want to get your opinion of being in the energy sector as long as you have. What does the future hold of how David Blackman sees it? You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hi, folks. Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor in the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200-kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. And welcome back to In the Wall Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bellato, being joined by my co-host, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. David, before the break, we were talking about the basic, the, the chatter going on, if you will, in the media circles of how BP released something that it didn't quite release that we've reached peak oil. But I want to bring it back to you because you are a veteran in the oil and gas industry and you are very comfortable making predictions. And so I want to ask you your prediction of, tell me oil prices and rig count. Where are we today? And then where are we going to head in the future, do you think? Yeah, it's been an interesting few weeks. We've, uh, you know, the, the, the Baker Hughes rig count had dropped every week this year until around the, the last week in August. And then in three of the last five weeks, the rig count has actually recovered slightly. Uh, the Inveris daily rig count has also begun to slowly move gradually upwards. Uh, the Inveris count got all the way down to about 270 active rigs nationwide compared to 1,100 just 10 months ago. Um, and it has gone back up, I think, today, as we record this, it was sitting at 296. So that's over a period of about five weeks. So that's adding in about five new rigs a week in the Inveris count. And what that tells me is, is that, you know, we've, we've got companies who want to, you know, drill some more wells this year, and they're beginning to you know, get out and and slowly get out and do that as the price has recovered up into the $40 range. Uh, And plus, you know, all these companies are not all of them, but most of them have an inventory of wells that had been drilled, but they had not done the frack job on them and they hadn't been completed. And I think what we're seeing now is, is more of these rigs coming online who are not really necessarily drilling new wells, but they're, you know, completing these already drilled but uncompleted wells and, and, and completing that inventory and getting that off their books. So I, you know, we're not in a real true recovery phase right now. 
I think mm -hmm. we're probably going to see, as long as the price doesn't collapse again before the end of the year, I think we're going to see kind of this status quo for the rest of the year because all these companies do six-month budgeting processes. And then as we get to the first of the year, uh, you know, I think we'll see the recount kind of tick up again the first half of next year by maybe 50 to 100 additional rigs, as long as the price, again, just assuming Hold the steady. price holds steady or moves upwards. So that's what I, I think is going to happen on, on the rig count. On pricing, I'm a little more optimistic, I think, than, than some people. I, I, I think that we're seeing signs this week, frankly, that, even, uh, that uh, demand is actually recovering more quickly than a lot of people have been saying. India, for example, their national oil company predicted this week that their national demand for crude oil is going to recover fully to January levels by the end of this year. Oh, India wow. is one of the most Huge. rapidly growing markets for crude oil on the face of the earth, along with China and some of the other Asian countries. Um, China's uh, demand is recovering pretty quickly. It's not as rapid as it was a couple of months ago, but that's not surprising. In the U.S., you know, we, we kind of are having fits and starts because so many of these governors are continuing to keep their economies shut down, uh, even in the face of almost non-existent death counts now and dramatically lower infection rates. Um, and, and so, you know, a lot of that's political, trying to influence the November election, which is very sad. But uh, even with all that, uh, our economy continues to, to recover fairly rapidly. And so I just, I just think we're going to see a situation here where, where West Texas Intermediate recovers up, up to around 45 by the end of this year. And, and I really think we'll see $60 all again at some point mid-year next year uh, here in the United States. So uh, it's, it's a you know, fairly quickly recovering situation, but it's coming, sadly, I think it's coming too late for a lot of these companies, uh, struggling companies to avoid Chapter 11 filings. I think we'll, we'll see quite a few bankruptcy filings in October when, when bank rate determinations are done. So it's going to be pretty grim here in October. We're on the bankruptcy front. Another thing that came up in the state of energy was when Brooke Simmons was discussing at a federal level, what is the energy industry looking at in the way of, should we have a Trump administration or a Biden administration in November? And I have a feeling that, you know, what we were, what you were discussing just a few minutes ago about rig count and oil prices, that also has a factor to play in it as well. We're gonna to go to break, but when we come back, I do wanna talk a little bit more about the administration, Trump administration versus Biden, what it means for the energy sector. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our business profile that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas. Reputation, ratings online, website, 
advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com slash business profile. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or simply go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business profile. Start dealing with a company you can trust and always find. Farmers and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side -side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three and six person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit YamahaViking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side -side owner study. Remember this name, Oil Field Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. Oil Field Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210-471-1923. And visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show with... Kim and David. David, before the break, we were discussing the potential oil prices, what it looks like for the end of the year and rig count. One of the things that came up in the state of energy through Brooke Simmons, who's the president of Oklahoma Petroleum Association, was the fact that there's going to be big differences for the energy industry in some ways if it's a Trump administration, it looks pretty good for the oil and gas industry with regulation and assistance from the administration. Then there was also uh, the Biden administration uh, and the discussion on that. And what does that look like? And we, they got into federal land. So I wanted to get uh, your opinion on, you know, what is Joe Biden? First, he says no fracking whatsoever. Then he backs up and says, well, you know, I didn't really mean that. There's some, there is going to be some fracking. So talk to me about what you think the fracking is going on with this guy. Yeah, he's, he's been all over the place. And of course, it's, uh, he's all over the place in a lot of areas these days. <laughs> um, and I won't say any more than that. But, um, you know, he's, he's created, created so much confusion for himself and his campaign. It's really hurting him up in, in Pennsylvania and Ohio and those other uh, Rust Belt states that are now really heavily dependent on the oil industry. He he does support a fracking ban uh, on federal lands now. That's what he's whittled it down to. A year ago, he was ready to just get rid of oil and gas entirely and ban fracking and ban everything. Um, you know, so on federal lands and in the Gulf of Mexico, if you ban fracking, um, you know, that's a, that's a big impact to the industry. And what it does is it really reverberates throughout the whole country. 
frankly, because what, what it does is it destroys the industries, these companies need to have, feel like they know what the deal is when they go into a lease agreement in a, in a given country or, you know, they try to develop a major resource in a given country. And in the United States, oil and gas companies have always been able to, to feel like they have a good handle on what the government is and is not going to require of them. And what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are talking about in this campaign would literally destroy that confidence that, you know, these are multi-billion dollar investments in a lot of instances. It's a lot of money to risk and it's investors money and, and investors expecting a real rate of return on those investments. And when you can't predict from four year term to four year presidential term, what the deal is going to be in the United States, then, then it becomes a lot harder to justify to your shareholders and investors that you want to risk $6 billion developing, you know, drilling 500 wells in the Permian Basin even, much less on federal lands. And so, you know, all of this uncertainty really harms the industry's strength in this country. And I don't think uh, politicians like Biden and Harris ever really think about it in those terms. But I can guarantee you that the C-suite executives and oil and gas companies think about it in those terms. And their shareholders and investors uh, think about it in those terms. And so when, when you, you talk about, you know, banning fracking on federal lands, you're really talking doing major damage to the industry all over the country, regardless of whether it's private lands or state lands or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, it's just, a, it's a big deal and a huge difference between Biden and obviously uh, the Trump administration. But, you know, I think also, David, it is also about, a lot of people don't really realize where these large employers purchase their stocks for their retirement. And a lot of it is in the energy sector. So yeah. it has an effect on everyone. And of course, here in Texas, which is the majority of where our radio show airs, it's it's going to be vital. If, if we're not drilling on federal lands, it's going to affect Texas in a very negative way too. So, so things to think about when we go to the polls. When we get back, I want to talk about electric vehicles because there were some articles that came out in some of the chronicles and uh, I want to get your opinion on the big energy vehicles and the future and what that means you're listening to in the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back the vision of the women's energy network is to be the premier organization that educates attracts retains and develops professional women working across the value chain also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy.
And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the electric vehicles. There was an article recently in the Houston Chronicle. It was discussing that the falling prices or the cost for these batteries that are Mm -hmm. uh, in these electric vehicles, which I would also want to clarify that some people think that electric vehicles don't even have batteries because they're plugging into a wall. So they have batteries. These batteries are made from fossil fuels or a byproduct. But basically what the Chronicle is discussing is how EVs, because of their falling prices, finally on their batteries, are putting a lot of pressure on oil demands. Yeah. I'm just like, well, okay, but if you don't have a battery, you don't have a car, there's nothing to charge up. So talk to me about that article that came out in the Houston Chronicle. What's your opinion on it? Yeah, people don't realize that that the cost of the battery is why an electric vehicle costs ten thousand dollars more than a gas. The same vehicle that's run on gas, you know, it's just wild what people think about these cars. I, you know, the Chronicle unfortunately is is really beginning to take a very leftward tilt on its energy reporting. I was surprised by the article you're talking about in the Chronicle because it came out just the day after Tesla had had a, a just an epic failure on their battery day event out there in California where they were supposedly uh, showing off uh, all their new battery technology that they've made all these claims about. And now it turns out that most of the claims they were making about that technology really isn't true. And the batteries aren't that much better or that much cheaper than the older ones they've been using. And, and so, you know, the reality is that battery technology in electric vehicles is not advancing. Uh, at the pace that has been, you know, promise. advertised by promise mm-hmm. by not just Tesla, but other electric vehicle makers. And that has consistently, by the way, been the case where Tesla's concerned for more than a decade now. Every promise they make ends up having to be revised and back off of. And it's why electric vehicles today really are no threat to, to petroleum vehicles. You know, the other thing that happened this week was was Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, issued this executive order, you know, somehow mandating that California is going to run on nothing but electric vehicles by I 2035. I saw that, and I was and, like, hmm, yes, it's how's just, that it's, going to work? It's, it's not. It's, it's, it's simply... <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's just not feasible. It's pie-in-the-sky nonsense, just like all the junk Jerry Brown used to throw out when he was governor over there. Yeah, I mean, electric vehicles are cool cars, man. There's no cooler car on the road than a Tesla. You know, and and people who can afford them, you know, good for you. And I hope you really love them because they are great cars if you can afford them. Uh, but, But they're not a threat to displace the internal combustion engine anytime in any of our lifetimes, okay? Uh, We're going to get to 2050 and 90% of the cars on the road are still going to be gasoline powered cars because I mean people don't realize people I think a lot of people think that electric vehicles are like 20% of the cars on the road they're they're somewhere between one and two percent of the cars on the road in the United States and it's an even lower percentage in most other countries and that's after all these decades of of wild promises and huge subsidies I mean billions and billions of dollars in subsidies for for electric vehicles and that's where we are. I, you know, I don't want to be 
you know, Eeyore, you know, about all of this and just pour water on it because they are, you know, they do have their place. But, you know, Look, we live in the real world and we need to understand what's real in the real world. And exactly. that's what's real. You know what? I, I think in the state of energy, it came up and I saw Gavin uh, Newsom's report, you know, and what the discussion was in state of energy was the problem with California's wildfires and why are they being created? It comes back to poor leadership and lack yeah. of deforesting and cleaning their forests. It's shocking to me that people actually get away with saying things like this and they don't really represent the full truth. They just give one small part, like what we talked about, the BP report. And now it's just had this magnificent effect of changing perception. So when we talk about the electric vehicles, you know, they, they do such a great job of getting people to think just a little bit more in a common sense way. Without oil and gas, you don't have a Tesla because everything that is made from a Tesla is by oil and gas, a byproduct. Right. Including that battery and the plastics and the tires and every part of Everything. it. How do they get this far down the road with these are the most, these are going to be the future. Well, how are you going to do that if you get rid of oil and gas? Because there will not be a Tesla or a Toyota Prius. But the advertising, they just have a really good advertising game. Uh, oh, yeah. Ground Tes game that Tesla has the best PR. Right. They have the best PR operation on the face of the earth. Uh, you know, there's nothing more ubiquitous than a Tesla press release, you know, promising mm -hmm. something they're not going to deliver on, but everybody seems to believe it for some reason. And they just keep belting it out there. This is going to be the future. Let's switch gears, talk about uh, crude oil exports a little bit too. Have they gone up this year, despite the collapse in oil prices? That was something that came up also in yeah. the state of energy. See how much great information you missed if you didn't attend it, but... <laughs> You know, Sean made a great point. Sean Strawbridge, like, the port couldn't be busier. I mean, yeah. Yes, it's had some, but it's definitely, you know, blowing and going. There's way more expansion going on here. You can see it. You can feel the energy, like they like to say, here in Corpus Christi. And the discussion that he was having, pointing out how busy the port is, what's its future role, you know, just amazing. I want to get on, on crude oil and its has it moved up or down this year with oil prices uh, collapsing, but I, we're going to have to take a quick break. We come back from break, David, I'll give you the floor. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Psst. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash Teak and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. Hi, this is Tracy Bentley, the President and CEO of the Permian Strategic Partnership. Improvements to road safety and infrastructure across the Permian Basin have been a priority for the Permian Strategic Partnership since our inception. 
Over the last several years, new pressures and increased traffic have resulted in crowded, damaged, and dangerous roadways. To fully realize the unprecedented opportunity for energy production and economic development in the Permian Basin, we must focus on building and sustaining a reliable transit infrastructure. The PSP and our Road Safety Committee are working to identify solutions for priority transportation routes and increased access to financial support for locally driven projects that enhance safety and accessibility for all residents and workers in the Permian Basin. The PSP recently committed $80,000 in grant writing support that helped secure $12.5 million in federal funding to increase capacity along 22 miles of US 285 spanning from the Texas line to Loving, New Mexico. Construction on this project is set to begin this summer. Its completion will mean safer travel for the oil and gas industry and regional commuters alike. For more information, go to permianpartnership.org. Permianpartnership.org. back you're listening to and the old patch radio show david our last segment i got a lot to get in here so <laughs> i asked you before the break crude prices uh, on exporting the port of corpus christi discussed it in our state of energy what do you think is happening on the demand for crude exporting yeah well you know what's so interesting is is uh, of course the crude oil there's a demand specifically for shale crude okay because the crude produced from the eagle ford the Permian Basin and most of the other shale place is this light, sweet crude oil that has right. incredibly low sulfur content, very few impurities in it. And there is, has developed this international market for that specific grade of crude oil. And so what's getting exported is not, you know, uh, crude oil from vertical wells in South Texas. It's all coming from the Permian Basin, from the Eagle Ford shale, mainly, to the Port of Corpus Christi to get on those ships and go go fill that demand in markets all over the world for and that you specific about China rate of crude oil. India yeah. Earlier in yeah. the show. These yes. are going to be the buyers of that. So it's actually right. expanding uh, even more in crude oil exporting. And it's going to continue to do so, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree with you. I want to go back and revisit Joe Biden real quick. Uh, the riots <laughs> happening all over the country and uh, Trump's replacement for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So now Joe Biden, while he continues to hide in the basement and wearing his mask backwards in public appearances, <laughs> I, I, I kind of feel like we couldn't be living in a more crazier time when we look at COVID and, and, and uh, how people are responding to it. But what is your, what do you think is happening with these riots going on all over and, and how is this uh, affecting the Supreme Court nominee um, and Joe Biden? Well, uh, you know, unfortunately these riots, um, you know, I've uh, been They're telling terrible. people for, for months and months that this was always the plan for the Democratic Party. That the, you know these riots are organized. They're highly organized. Uh, they're funded by a lot of activist groups uh, that are affiliated with the Democratic Party. Antifa and B, B, uh, Black Lives Matter organizations are basically support groups for the Democratic Party, and they are. I mean, you see the the clips of the U-Haul trailers uh, just the other day in in Louisville. You have this U-Haul, big U-Haul truck sitting in a Walmart parking lot. And all these Antifa people unloading all, you know, bricks and, and all sorts of, of riot supplies out of the back of this U-Haul truck. Wow. You know, you have people bust into these cities on, on 
air-conditioned buses coming from all over the country to riot in these specific cities where the Democratic mayors won't allow their police to effectively deal with the crowds. And this is an organized uh, tactic, unfortunately. Uh, and but I know for what? That, but well, for what? to create what chaos. Want? They, want, they want people to be afraid, Kim. They want but you to be afraid to reelect President Trump. Uh, oh. They want you to blame President Trump for all of this and be too afraid to vote for him again. And with Joe Biden, you know, sitting in his basement promising to be the normal guy, right? Don't, don't get, you know um, what, I'm, I don't know about you, but I think our listeners, that's, that's the insanity uh, of them, of, of where we are right now. Not it only- is insanity, is it not, I agree with that. It, because everybody is, you're doggone right, they're afraid, but it's actually, we cannot, we've got to stop this. And, and the only one who seems to want to attempt to stop it has been President Trump. So, so to me, I'm like, this is actually the total opposite of, of what's really, it's not effectively working for you guys. In other words, it's actually working the opposite. And can we all just get back to being normal people that don't fight and communicate what your thoughts are, what my thoughts are, and what we need to do? Because this is just, this is, well, but that, isn't that the good thing, though? I mean, that's a good thing about America. You see all this happening on your TV screens and all these riots going on and all these crazy things. But I don't know about you. I go about my daily business and everybody's nice and people are cordial to one another. And, you know, people are doing business and, and nobody's worried about what color your skin is or, you know, what your religion is or anything like that. Americans are still you know, 98%, 99% of Americans are still just Americans, right? Right. And we're just right. living our lives. And so, I mean, that's the, the positive thing for our country is, is that even though we see all this, these scenes on our television sets, it's really a tiny minority of people who are actually engaging in this kind of activity. And I, you know, that's something I think that's important for everybody to keep in mind. Well, that's good. Cause I was wondering that too. I'm like, how many crazy people are really Americans these days because I'm like you I'm we're going about our business we're working we care about one another and I have many 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 friends that are Democrats and many many friends that are Republicans and I love them just the same because we all share this planet so let's uh close hey, out one more thing on that I, I think sure. one of the big mistakes the news media makes about all of this is to assume the the insanity that they see on Twitter specifically in other social media is real life okay that that's reflective of the whole country and it isn't it's not not remotely reflective of the whole country and that unfortunately is what you see you know people on cnbc or msnbc and cnn talking about it's like they think twitter is real life and it just isn't okay it no, just isn't. i was gonna say if they if they really were in mainstream America, they would see that what they're doing is scaring people to death. The banners, flags everywhere because people are scared not to have him come back because the car is moving backwards on two wheels. People are afraid. This is not a good a party to put in, in power. And I unfortunately, I think it's going to be, a, they're going to see it in the polls in November. I want to close on a positive note though, David. Tell me about, we are getting, y'all are getting ready. We're getting ready to drop a new issue of Shell Magazine. Who's on the cover? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, Jason Modulin, who is the uh, new president of 
Texas Alliance of Energy producer, came into that job in the middle of the biggest depression uh, the oil industry has seen since the early 1980s. What a time to come into that job. But he's, this is a really dynamic guy, um, has tremendous experience in the public policy realm. Mm -hmm. uh, he comes straight to the Alliance from uh, Christy Craddock's office, where he's been chief of staff for the last several years. Prior to that, he was a uh, chief of staff uh, for for a member of the Texas legislature for several years before that. He's got experience in Washington, ex uh, tons of experience in Austin. He knows oil and gas and just a real family guy, he really accomplished guy. Yeah, very smart, just incredibly smart. And uh, of course, you know, he's with us uh, once a month on our live show on, on Sundays right. too. So, yes. but yes. just, a, it's a really good story. I think everybody mm -hmm. really like learning about Jason and what he's doing. I couldn't agree with you more. And with that, that is the end of the show. We got a lot accomplished we did. Uh, in this show and, and running through all the different topics and covering our state of energy. And, you know, David, before we close, if anybody wants to learn more about the state of energy and actually follow it on Zoom because we recorded it, it should be up on our website. So I encourage our listeners to, to Google it and go looking for it. And with that, David, that's all the time we have for this show. What a treat to have you for the entire show in which you and I talked a lot about oil and gas. And for our listeners, I'd like to encourage you to go to Facebook in the Oil Patch Radio Show. And there you can find an entire list of what uh, stations we're on as well as times and who are our upcoming guests. Once again, be sure to like us on Facebook that's in the oil patch radio show for now until next week in the oil patch is where together we explore topics that affect us all in oil gas business and in your community every week your host kim Bellotto will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry you'll hear from industry experts elected officials and many more right here on in the oil patch